So when you look at equity, it's actually trying to make people who are probably not privileged, giving them a little bit of a boost to be able to achieve their potential. And we know that nowadays, not everybody has the opportunity. So it's actually creating opportunity for everyone so that at the end of the day, people are able to be who they're supposed to be. And that's the way I kind of look at it. Welcome to Specialty Matters. Uh, for those of you who followed these episodes before, we were called Specialty Scoop, but the word scoop could be associated with the actions of removing children from their native homes and into residential schools, so a context we absolutely want to avoid. So we changed the name of our podcast. We're now Specialty Matters, and, and really with gratitude for the listener who highlighted this perspective to us. The podcast is brought to you by the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, and I'm Guylaine Lefebvre, an Executive Director at the Royal College. What a privilege it is for me to host today's episode for a podcast that we're linking to International Women's Day. And in preparing for this podcast, I actually found a quote that I find quite inspirational. It comes from Rosemary Brown. She was the first Black woman in Canadian Parliament, and she said, we must open the doors and we must see to it that they remain open so that others can pass through. I've invited two very special women whom I feel privileged to consider friends for the podcast today. Dr. Susan Moffat-Bruce, she's our CEO at the Royal College. She's also a cardiothoracic surgeon, a researcher, a mother, and a mentor to many of us. And Dr. Mudupe Tunde-Bayas, an obstetrician gynecologist at North York General Hospital in Toronto. She is also president of Black Physicians of Canada. And I met Mudupe when she was a resident. I had just come to St. Mike's Hospital and I credit her for a good part of my success. I, she oriented me to a new environment with such grace. We're going to break down equity versus equality in medicine today why equal opportunities are just not enough. And as always, as we do with these podcasts at the end of the episode, we'll try to leave you with some inspiration to reflect and maybe ignite some positive change in your own practice. Welcome, Susan. Welcome, Madupe. Hi, Ghislaine. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Ghislaine. It's absolutely a delight to be here today and looking forward to the conversation. So am I. Uh, Madupe, you're joining us today from Toronto. Could I ask you to open with a land acknowledgement? Thank you so much, Ghislaine. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the historical oppression of lands, cultures, and the original peoples in what we now know as Canada. Among the unceded traditional territories of the Wendat, the Hadusini, and the Anishinaabis peoples, whose presence here continues to this day. This is the treated lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, and I thank them and other indigenous peoples for sharing this land with us. Land acknowledgements are just one small part of dismantling colonial worldviews. So to you, our listeners, please think of any way that you can enact decolonization. 
Thanks, Madupe. And uh, Susan, you and I are in Ottawa, the traditional land of the Anishinaabe Algonquin people. And well, I can't just say it any better than Madupe just did on recognizing that the oppressive systems that we've created along the way and how much we can learn from the people who are on this land before us. Let me start with kind of a grounding, in retrospect, funny story, I guess, of when I had my interview to become a resident, obstetrics, gynecology, no less. It was in person, of course, back in the day. And and the chairman who was leading the interview panel opened the door a little crack, looked at me, and then he closed the door and very loudly said, God, it's another woman. And then he opened the door again. And, you know, you, you learn to take it in stride. And I, I remember saying, and that's a really good thing, isn't it? And, you know, funny looking back in time that now we have, we have a majority of women in this specialty. I, I don't think our conversation today is about discrimination, really. It's about, you know, and the three of us could have stories over the past few years together. What does equality mean as compared to equity in medicine? Why is equality not enough? Madupe, um, what's, what's your take on that? Yes, you know, there's always a confusion about, you know, is something equal or should it be equitable? And we know that everybody starts from, you know, ground zero. People say, well, we're all the same. We're all human. And because of that, we should use the same yardstick. But we know that not everybody is equal when it comes to maybe your privilege or maybe where you're starting from. Some people may need help or accommodation. So when you look at equity, it's actually trying to make people who are probably not privileged, giving them a little bit of a boost to be able to achieve their potentials. And we know that nowadays, not everybody has the opportunity. So it's actually creating opportunity for everyone so that at the end of the day, people are able to be who they're supposed to be. And that's the way I kind of look at it. And it's so difficult sometimes that people kind of confuse the two together. I don't know what Susan thinks about that. I think you're absolutely right on every account, Madupe. You know, I, I've often thought there's confusion, but I also think that equality is easy. Equity is much more difficult. And, and I think perhaps that's why there is confusion, but also why there's not more action or more purposeful rationale around why and how equity can be achieved. You know, in particular, for everybody to have the same opportunities, that's fabulous, as long as everybody can use those opportunities. And I think that's where the specificity, where the sensitivity, and where the empathy for those that are trying to use those opportunities or uh, be realize those opportunities has to come forward and be really thoughtful around what is needed to help support or to advance someone at a time that is needed, in the way that is needed, and for the outcome that is needed. It's not easy. It takes work. Equity takes work. Equity and that that framing's beautiful on that reality that for equity, you need to understand what a person needs. You can't just give everybody the same thing, right? The phrase that equality is you give everybody a pair of shoes 
equity, you, you give everybody a pair of shoes that fits. But you need to know what it is that person needs. And would it be more difficult for people who are marginalized to speak up on what they need? Absolutely. Yeah. As we were talking about this discussion, we talked about our experiences as female surgeons. And I mean, a lot of the literature now suggesting that it is not equitable, that in fact, women in surgery in particular, there's a discrepancy, not just in promotion, uh, but also in pay for the same profession. How do we even start addressing that? It's a really good question. I think first you have to, as with any problem that you want to solve, identify that there is an issue and and that awareness has to be said out loud and truly you, you can't shy away from that. So once you recognize, you acknowledge that there is a discrepancy, that there is pay inequity, then having transparency of the data, having engaged allies in going forward is really necessary and never stopping. There's There's something of a relentless nature that's needed, I think, when you want to really become equitable within a system. Pay is where, you know, it's in some ways it's quite easy because there is data. You you can measure it. And so you can approach it in a thoughtful, meaningful, and equitable fashion. Yes, I think that's actually quite true. But there are some things, Susan, that you can't measure. You know, the way people perceive you as a female surgeon is definitely different from your male peers. You know, I find that as a female surgeon, you have to go that extra smile to be nice, to be kind, you know, to suck up everything. In fact, you know, you kind of have a Teflon skin, nothing sticks, right? So it kind of, you know, moves away from you. Honestly, It's something so common that we don't even think about it. So if you're a woman and you complain, you you are given that B word. It's even worse. If you're a black woman, then you become the angry black woman. So we see this every day as women and we have learned to adapt to it because that's almost the reality for most of us. And you also mentioned about, you know, equity and things, even with promotions, it's not the same for us because women surgeons, you get left the work that most people don't want to do. And invariably, those things don't count towards your promotion in academia. So, But we don't realize that. We don't know because we love to do the work. It's almost like you're proving yourself to be competent, right, for people to accept you. So these are the day-to-day realities that we see, but we just kind of move on with it. And, you know, continue the conversation. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I think in some ways, you have to go that extra mile. You feel in you, it's not only necessary, but there's almost like you have to prove yourself that you are as equal, if not better than your male colleagues. And I, I think sometimes that's innate to us because we have been treated like that for many, many years. And to your point, it becomes very natural for us to try to to go that extra mile. And that is usually at the expense of our family, our ourselves, you know, and our overall uh, enjoyment of the, the role that we're playing. Mujupi, I've heard you talk about the need to walk in solidarity. And I think you've raised the issue that as women, we take on a almost a different persona that's expected of us 
it's even more complicated as a black woman. And the need to recognize the fact that all of this is intersectional. (laughs) How do we start addressing that for each other, really? And in the context of let's keep the door open for the people who, who come along with us. Yeah, no, that's a great question, Ghislaine. You know, as women, let's be realistic. We've made significant change with some aspects of gender equity. For example, if you look at the admissions to medical schools, it's more than 50% of us are females, right, in that space. But if you look at other aspects, we have not done well in terms of the intersectionalities of the gender. For example, either it's race or sexual orientation or even religious, like being a Muslim woman, the struggle is different. And also being black. So if you combine being gay, being black, being Muslim, you've got everything together. That is huge. And so most of the advances that we've made are with with women who are white, right? But we still have a huge gap in breaking down those barriers for BIPOC women. And I was reading an interesting article the other day, and it was so fascinating that BIPOC women, especially Black women, they reached the glass ceiling by their first promotions to managerial level compared with their white colleagues who make it to the CEO level. So unless we create an inclusive environment and working in solidarity, which is going to be the only antidote to gender inequity. So we got to recognize that, that the more of us on the table, the better we're going to be able to solve and rest this case of gender inequity. I I love that that paradigm of of how it will be better for all of us. It's we're doing this to improve what we do for the patients that we serve overall. That brings to mind for me, uh, Susan, you you introduced the Royal College to the work of Stephanie Nixon and her coin model of privilege and uh, critical allyship. Maybe just for those who may not be so familiar with this model and how that may relate to us as white cis women in, in this context? Yeah, no, I think that's um, that's right, uh, Gillian. I think we have spent and we've been fortunate to spend time with uh, Dr. Nixon's uh, methodology that really speaks to that coin analogy whereby, you know, on top of the coin, you often have those that are traditionally privileged and those that are under the coin are those that are traditionally marginalized. And it really is a power differential because the coin represents a barrier. And the only way to address and to thin that barrier and to take away is to enable, to provide opportunities, and to really be thoughtful about and walk in solidarity with those that are on the bottom of the coin. It's an active process, but it starts with recognition. It starts with acknowledgement and then walking in solidarity with those that are traditionally under the coin. And it's around a power differential. And I think all of us have felt it, whether or not, you know, we're a learner with a faculty member, we're a woman with a man, it could be of any polar um, changes. And we really need to think about where we sit in that power differential and how we minimize it so that equity can be achieved. 
So basically our role to thin out, we can't eliminate the coin, it will be there. How do we make it thinner? And how do we recognize that we may be on top of the coin for some things? As a woman cardiothoracic surgeon, you're you're not on top of the coin with your colleagues at an annual meeting where they talk about gender equity <laughs> necessarily. And goodness if they do. But you are on top of the coin for many other roles that you have with with your peers, right? Absolutely. Yep. And it's around recognition and acknowledging that in the in the moment and in the situation and, and always being very mindful of it. You know, mindfulness comes to uh, to me over and over again. You know, it's not one and done. It's being always socially conscious and deliberate around how we're going to address inequities that exist. But you need to keep your eyes open. And, and this is not going to be achieved uh, in a short order. And to open up the dialogue, Madupe, I know you've, uh, as president of Black Physicians of Canada, you've led a lot of uh, of good work in that space. I Not to put you on the spot, but do you have examples of how you may be able to use that awareness in your environment to make a positive difference for the people around you? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I've always thought about having a privilege, like, you know, everyone does. And how do you leverage that, you know, to be able to make others less oppressive? And everybody has privilege. In some spaces, you are also below the coin, you know, so you could be flipping in between the coins. What Susan said, or oh, was it Galen, that you have to thin it and make it like paper thin, which I think is doable. You know, how do we remove racism, sexism, ableism? How do we create that space for everyone. And it starts with everyone individually. Even for me, what do I do? Maybe self-reflect, right? And think to myself, how do I change the conversation? And then use it as a ripple effect that touches everyone eventually. How do I also, as somebody who has privilege just because of the work I do, how do I hold other people accountable, especially those who have power and influence? How can they use that to be able to help? So for my work as the president of BPC, what I do is that with our mission is to unite support and also empower physicians who are in training, those who are in practice, and also be able to amplify their voices within the Canadian healthcare system, not forgetting the patients that we serve as well. So for being Black, a lot of people are under the coin. So having allies like the Royal College, my friend Susan Ghislaine, (laughs) the CMA, it's really been very effective because you have invited BPC and other marginalized equity-seeking groups onto the table of the Royal College. This change is phenomenal. Never seen that before since I've been a member of the Royal College. And that speaks to the leadership of the organization. So thinning the coin comes from that. And I do believe that if every organization could look at it, and bring those people or ask who is missing at the table, then this conversation becomes easier every day. And I'm using this platform to recognize Susan and Ghislaine for your leadership in bringing so many of us 
to this table that we were never part of a few decades ago. So thank you so much. Well, in return, Madupe, I will recognize your leadership and how phenomenal your trajectory has been. Mutual admiration society growing here. But but really, I think it's it's about keeping that door open. And you you are giving a voice to Black women physicians in recognizing where you are now and what you've done and how you've gotten here. And uh, so much of what we do has to be role modeling that it uh, it doesn't happen overnight and it requires allies for sure. But with that, it also requires determination and not giving up and all of the things that you've managed to overcome to get here. International Women's Day is a great opportunity, I think, for for celebration, really, of where we are and where we were and where we're going. Um, So much of our time can be spent looking at what we're not doing well. Susan, any any reflections or tips? I, I you've led the Royal College now as CEO for three years. It's uh, a lot of positive change uh, has been noticed by our members, and hopefully the patients that we serve along the way. Hopefully, I think you. I mean, I, that would be our aspiration, uh, of course. But I think you know, going back to what you said very early on, Gillen, you know. What we did, you know, as leaders at the Royal College is we opened the door and, and we made space. Many of my colleagues have taught me the benefit of and the power of, of providing that space. And that space needs to be filled by those uh, with the voices that are not traditionally at the table. Uh, others of my colleagues that I've learned from, uh, in particular Lisa Richardson, who says, always think about whose voice you're not hearing. And, and that will resonate with me for a lifetime now. So I, I am so grateful and, and I've been, I have been so privileged to be a leader of an organization, A, that, you know, gave us that ability to open the door and, but also that our colleagues like Madupe, like Kanine and other leaders came through it. And so, you know, we are fortunate and we don't take that privilege and we don't take that opportunity lightly. We're very appreciative of that. Those are great points. Thank you. And and you've rolled modeled for me, actually, speaking up and asking people around you, what could I have done better? How could I have said this differently? And and maybe it, it lines up with that awareness, right? Right now in this situation, I'm on top of the coin, recognizing that I will ask around me to see how I could have enabled better, or served better, and approaching it with humility so that we can continue to learn, perhaps. As we near the end of this particular podcast, I'll, I'll share a few of my, of my takeaways and then turn to you two to see if there's anything that we left unsaid or any tips or, or suggestions you may have for our listeners on how they may look at things differently going forward. I I take from our conversation that equity is, is really considering what the person needs and looking to equitable or equal outcomes, not necessarily giving everybody the same thing. The coin model, cultivating our awareness uh, that we may be on top, we may be under, but we need to work at getting that coin thinner and really recognizing that the system that we live in has been created to sustain and support inequities. And we have a role to play to open doors and and to keep them open for those who will follow and and, uh, continue alongside us. Madupe, any any final thoughts, a few words or a call to action that you'd like to share? 
You know, I do because um, it's going to be International Women's Day and we're talking about gender inequity and all that. And I had the opportunity to speak to a colleague of mine who is male. And I said to him, what do you think about women or what do you think should be the role of women in academia? And he sent me these thoughts, which I'm going to read. He said, whether acknowledged or not, women are at the core of all societies. Women lie at the soul of many communities. A society that doesn't value its women will never achieve its full potential. One of the markers of an organization's true commitment to equity is the number of women thriving in all positions, including those of color. The journey to equity continues until women are able to occupy all positions held by men. That was what he sent me. And I was truly touched by that because, you know, it's not that our colleagues who are male are not with us. They are. It's just that we're asking for all of them to make space. So for our male colleagues to look at women, to leave the door open, not only to mentor women, but to provide sponsorship in terms of amplifying the voices of women by creating positive impression of them, especially for women who are humble and self-effacing, boosting through letters of recommendation for women who are marginalized, connecting them by inviting them to high-powered meetings to increase their visibility, defending and making personal excuses to change others' perception, especially when it's from negative to positive. So these are some of the things that I learned through this Harvard review. And I think it's so important and it speaks to how we can continue to empower women in the space that we currently are. So that's my message today. Thank you. Thanks, Madupe. It's a great message. Susan? I mean, what Madupe has shared with us is absolutely perfect, and uh, it would be hard to add to that. I'm just grateful to be part of this conversation today, and I also see it as my responsibility as a female leader who is very much aware and acknowledging the inequities that exist to be a sponsor, to be a mentor, and to always, always try to address those inequities within the capabilities of my own power. So for that, I thank you very much. And I just thank you, Madupe and Gilan, for allowing me to be part of this conversation. I will continue the conversation. Thank you both. And we're looking forward to a continued conversation for sure. Uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning into Specialty Matters. Please share this episode, subscribe, give us a rating or write a review. Write to us at fellowshipaffairs at royalcollege.ca with suggestions or feedback on this podcast. You can also tune in and share the Royal College's podcast for medical students called Café de Spécialité and Specialty Café. Until next time, happy International Women's Day. I'm Guylaine Lefebvre. Goodbye.